Amen. Well, we're going to do this quickly today. If you, want, if you would, turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read verse 1 through 3. And then I want you to, right after that, flip to 2 Kings chapter 4. This morning, for these next few moments, I just want to speak to you. I want to kind of piggyback. A, a couple of weeks ago, I was here and I, I spoke a message called Radical Faith Living on a Promise. Amen? How many of you are living on a promise? Well, I want to come behind that message as, as we're in this series on the radical zone. I want to speak to you about radical faith, seeing it as done. Come on, say that with me. Seeing it as done. But here's what the book of Hebrews says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony by faith. This is so powerful. Get this today. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. By faith, God spoke. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So everything that we see is not made first by things that are visible, but from the unseen, the spirit realm. Amen. All right. Then I want to read. I want to jump down and read verse 35. And this same chapter, right after this, the, the writer of Hebrews kind of lists all of these different heroes of the faith. And we, I preached from it last time. He talks about Abraham. He talks about Sarah, David, all of these patriarchs and matriarchs. But then he, he says this, and he's talking about faith. He says, and by faith, in verse 35, there were women... Who received their dead raised to life again. So if if Hebrews chapter 11 is called the hall of faith, right? Where all of these great people of faith were mentioned. He said, the writer of Hebrews said this. He made mention of the women who received certain miracles concerning their, their loved ones being raised from the dead. And there's... For sure, many scriptures uh, and passages he could have been referencing, but he was for sure referencing 2 Kings chapter 4. And we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 4, so go ahead and turn there. But as you're turning there, I just want to say this. Hebrews lets us know that the visible realm came into being because of the spiritual realm. That's where the realm of faith is. Amen. So by faith, the word, the worlds were framed by the word of God. All right. So God sets the precedent from the very beginning that everything is meant to begin in the spirit realm. But how many of you know that when we fail, when, we, when man fell, we cease to live by the spirit? So if we are a tripart creation, spirit, soul, body, right? When we're born again, the apostle Paul tells us to be led by the spirit of God, right? He said the sons, if the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. But until you're saved, until God regenerates you, you cannot be led by the Spirit. You can only be led by your flesh or by your soul, by your mind, will, or emotions. Even after you're saved, the temptation is to be led, still be led by the flesh or to be led by the soul. 
But the Bible says be led by the spirit. Why? Because that is the realm of faith. And the Bible says this. It says that we're to live by faith. So what that means is that when we get saved, the order is put back in our lives that as we live by the spirit, then our soul lines up and then the flesh follows. But if we reverse the order, that's where chaos comes from. Are you tracking with me? And so this is why the enemy will, even after you're saved, come after your flesh because he's trying to tempt you to live by your flesh. He'll come after your emotions because he does not want you to be led by faith. And emotions aren't bad. Feelings aren't bad. How many know God created you with emotions and feelings? But he wants to sanctify them. Feelings aren't bad. Emotions aren't bad. But how many of you lived this life long, long enough and walked with God long enough to know if we don't walk by faith, we get in trouble because our emotions can lie to us. How many know your flesh can get you in trouble? And so this is why faith is so important, because if we're going to walk this thing out, it's got to be by faith. Right. And so I want to reiterate something I said a couple of weeks ago. Faith is not what you know. Faith is what you do. So and so this is why so many of us are sometimes trapped or not walking in the things of God or the promises of God over our life, if if you will, because it's like this. If if I'm on this side of a mountain and I need to get to this side of the mountain Right. I need a bridge. Amen. I'm thinking about how many of you have ever been to Colorado Springs? How many of you have ever been to the Royal? Is it called the Royal Gorge? I mean, uh, I proposed to my wife on that bridge. It's massive bridge expanded over two uh, big giant mountains. And there's a deep valley. And so faith, faith, faith is like this. Faith is being over here and needing to get there. And you need a bridge. But but. Some of us think faith is standing right here and saying, okay, I believe in the bridge. I think the bridge is strong and I think the bridge can support me. Therefore, I have faith. That's not faith. Faith is walking across the bridge. Because you can know, say you have faith, but you can stand here and say, oh, the the bridge is strong. The bridge works. The bridge won't fail. But that's not faith. Faith always produces what? Movement. Faith always produces what? Action. Faith always produces works. Good works. Are you with me? And so it takes faith. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It takes faith to move in the direction of God's promises for your life. And so that's why the enemy wants you to to go by your emotions or live by your flesh. Because if you ever start actually living by faith and speaking by faith and moving by faith, you actually begin to move and begin to see the things of God in your life. But the enemy wants to keep you over here just talking about the bridge. And hearing about the bridge. But how many know it's time to walk across the bridge? But there's, a, there's another important lesson. Some lessons about faith. And I, I want to draw from this, from this scripture. In 2 Kings chapter 4. And last year, um, if, if, if you were here in 2021, I preached an entire message on this story. But I want to revisit it because I want to capture something from it. 
In 2 Kings chapter 4, it's the story of the Shunammite woman. How many of you are familiar with this story? I'm going to paraphrase it so we don't have to read it for time's sake. But the Bible talks about in, in Shunam, there, there was a woman, a Shunammite woman who was notable. And the Bible says that Elisha would pass by there often, right? And it says that they would tell him, stay with us. And so much to the point that they said, look, we're going to build you an upper room on our house. We're going to build you a, a penthouse. So that whenever you come through town, you're going to stay with us. You know, Mikasa is Sukasa, right? And so, and of course, because they welcomed him, Elisha, the Bible says, every time he would come through there, would stay at their home. And what I'm so impressed with about this story is the attitude of the Shunammite woman. Because the Bible lets us know that she had no son and her husband was old. Right. And so she was barren. She had no children. And, and if you know anything about the ancient culture, you know that you know this, that if you were barren or you were not able to have a child. Right. A lot of shame came from that. So this this woman could have been jaded or angry at God. You tracking with me? So you got to read into the story. See, sometimes we just read it. Okay, good. They build the house. But look, look at her story. The Bible is letting us know she's barren for a reason. Because in a culture where having children was everything, not having children was seen as a curse. And a lot of times it brought shame. And this woman, though, in the story, we find her. We don't find her angry at God. We don't find her bitter at God. We find her saying, you know what? God, I love you so much. Whatever you're doing, I want it in my house. Are you with me? Because have you, let me ask you a question. Have any of you walked through life long enough to understand this? There is absolutely no way of avoiding disappointment. You don't go looking for disappointment. You don't ask for disappointment. You certainly shouldn't pray for disappointment. But how many know we all go through disappointment? And no doubt, I believe she went through seasons of disappointment, especially when she would see the other children and see other people's kids and see other people's promise. But you know what? Here's what I love about this Shunammite woman. Her her disposition and her position towards God is I'm not upset and I'm not angry because of what you haven't done. God, I love you so much. Not only that, I want what you're doing. I want it all up in my house. So when the prophet comes by, he's staying here. So the challenge is is sometimes going through disappointment without getting bitter or jaded. How many of you have been there this morning? And so the first lesson we learn from this story before we even tap into the faith is this, is that concerning this woman, she actually was not expecting anything from the prophet. Because point number one, she just wanted him to come and stay. Now remember, Elisha's a prophet, right? This is Old Covenant. This is not New Testament. So Elisha is not just a man. Elisha represents more than a man. Elisha represents what God is doing in Israel. Because in the Old Covenant, God would speak through the mouths of prophets. They didn't enjoy what me and you enjoy today. And so 
It's not that she's worshiping Elisha. No, she's honoring Elisha because Elisha represents what God is speaking to Israel. And so when she invites Elisha, she's actually inviting what God is doing. So a translation, you could translate it in our times like this. God, I don't want to just be visited by the Holy Spirit. I want to provide a place for you to dwell in my life. I don't want you just to visit my home. I want to create an environment where you dwell in my home. You tracking with me? And so the Shunammite woman is from the text. We don't get any indication that she's going to ask anything because she actually doesn't ask anything. Elisha has to ask her if there's anything he can do for her. Are you with me? So Elisha's sitting in this upper room and he's on, he's laying on the bed and all of a sudden he goes, you know, this, this, this woman has, has gone through great trouble to build a place for us. He said, I wonder what we can do for her. And I'm going to paraphrase it so I don't have to read it. And they went to her and asked and, 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 and she would not answer him. In other words, there was a contentment in her heart. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe even though she was barren and I believe even though she went through those seasons of life and she was content in God and her attitude was great. I think God was going to show up and give her the desire of her heart even when she didn't ask for it. Because what she did was she made room for God to move in her life and she put God, not only God first, but she put God at the center. And guess what happened? Just by honoring God, she brought the activity to her. So Gehazi tells Elisha, she doesn't have a son. Are you with me? And so when Elisha says, all right, that's it. And what does he say? The famous words about this time next year, you're going to have a child. Here's principle number two. God can give you a future when it looks like all hope is lost. Because, because picture with me, in their early years, when they first got married, I, I, I could imagine that when they first got married, they, could, they, they probably had that talk. All right, babe, how many kids are we going to have? Two kids, three kids, four kids? I used to think I wanted five or six. Now I think three will be just fine. I got two and I'm maybe one more. But but I believe that ship had sailed for her because she's older. She's barren and her husband's old and that ship has sailed. But guess what? Sometimes we think that ships have sailed and our time has passed and it's too late. And don't you understand? I've wasted years. And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how hopeless or dead a situation looks. Nothing is impossible for God. Because when Elisha says about this time next year, you're going to have a child. It struck a nerve with her. Because she wasn't even intending to ask for anything. She said, you know what her first response was? Her first response was, I believe it. Yes and amen. I partner. You know, it wasn't nothing like churchy like that. It was this. Don't lie to me. Imagine that. Elisha, double portion of Elijah's anointing, says you're going to have a child next year. Don't lie to me. 
You know what encourages me about that? She made it into the hall of faith and she didn't even believe the word of the prophet. She later came to believe it, right? But God had to do a work in her and create faith enough to believe. Oh, listen to me. God had to... She was doing good in every area of her life. But when the prophet spoke to that, it hit an old wound. And she said, you know what? I'm content. Don't even lie to me. I'd rather you not even tell me. I've done moved on from that. Listen, you may have moved on from some things, but there's some things that God hasn't moved on concerning your life. And see, some of us, this is a word for somebody. You thought it was going to come in your, when you were 18 or you thought it was going to come when you were 25 or when you were 30. But guess what? Maybe now is the season. And sometimes when God speaks it, you're like, no, I'm, I don't even know if I want to go there because that opens up too much. But listen, God is speaking a fresh word to somebody and their deep desires that have even been buried inside of you. Listen, promises you've been carrying since forever because God always knew one day she was going to have a child but she didn't know so listen so he promised to give them a child she said no I don't I, I don't lie to me about this time next year you're going to have a child and you know I love this because God keep, seems to keep res, repeating this because doesn't this story sound familiar Didn't God show up to another old guy and another girl that was barren in Genesis, in the book of Genesis? When God told Abraham and Sarah they were going to have a child. Listen, Sarah laughed. Sarah also made it into the hall of faith. She came to believe later, just like this woman. But aren't you so glad that, that these patriarchs and matriarchs that... Their first response wasn't like, man, you know, man and woman of our, our power for the hour. It was actually like, no. Because God, you know why? Because for both of them, it seems so impossible. Those days seem so gone. God, I've moved on to plan B. God, I've moved on to plan C. I've already adjusted my life to live without this. But God says, you don't have to adjust anymore because I'm going to do it. And guess what? I love this because Sarah laughed, but God had the last laugh. And that's why Isaac is named Isaac because it means laughter in Hebrew. Because God laughs at what man calls impossible. Are you with me? I got five minutes to track with me. And so, of course, they have a child. But listen to this. The enemy not only will try to get you to not contend for your promise, but listen to me. The enemy will not stop coming for your promise. Because it says this in, the ver- in, in chapter 18. It says, and then the child grew. Now it happened one day that when he went out to his father, it says to the reapers. And what that means is they were in the field in harvest time. Someone say in harvest time. And he said to my father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry the boy to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to the mother, he sat, he sat on her knee till noon and then he died. So he's in the field. During harvest time with his father. 
And he says, my head, my head. And then they brought her to the mother. Can you picture this? Listen to this. She didn't ask for the son. God gave her the son. Now he's sitting on our lap and he dies. And she went, oh, I love this. First of all, can I tell you this? The enemy always shows up at harvest time. I know it's a cliche. When I used to hear that, I used to be like, that's just no. But I've lived, listen to me. I've lived long enough to know. The enemy doesn't want you to give birth to what you have. The enemy doesn't, you know what? All those seasons, maybe you're making your way. He's quiet. But when it comes time for some things to start happening, when you start to start maturing and things are starting to become fully grown and there's some fruit being seen, the enemy likes to show up. And and if he can't get to you, he'll try to get to your spouse. And if he can't get to your spouse, he'll try to get to your children. He'll throw the kitchen sink at you. And so the enemy showed up at harvest time. It was time to harvest. He should have been in the field enjoying the harvest with his father. But tragedy strikes. Because the enemy is not only after the promise, he's after the future. And so the boy died and they carried him home to the mother. But I love what she does. The Bible says she takes the boy, and she brought him up to the prophet's bed. And she laid him on the bed, and she shut the door. And I I wrote this down. I love this. Because you have to know where to lay it down at. See, a lot of times when things go wrong, we're, we're, we're saying, what do I do? And we're trying to lay it at all of these places and all of these things that can't do nothing for you. So when she went to the prophet's room and she laid it on the bed, you know what I think she's doing? This is just Andrew's interpretation. Listen, I didn't ask for the child. The prophet spoke it. This is on him and this is on God because God spoke it. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give it back to God. So I'm going to place him on the prophet's bed. The Bible says she went to her husband and said, get me a donkey. I've got to make my way to the prophet. Are you with me? Now check this out. I love this. She said, then she called her husband and said, please send me with one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon, new moon, nor the Sabbath. We can talk about that another day, the significance of that. And she said, listen to this. It is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And it says this. So it was when the man of God saw her from afar off, he said to a servant, look, the Shunammite woman. Because after all, this woman is his friend. This is where he stays when he comes to town. And the prophet says, look, there she is. Please run to meet her and say to her, listen to this. Is it well? Just stop. Before she leaves the house, she said, it is well. The prophet sees her and says, Gehazi, go ask her this. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, 
It is well. Now, here's what I want to say concerning faith. Because what she did is she had a choice. And this is where so so many of us, including myself, have gone wrong. When God gives us a promise, when God gives us a word, when God gives us something and something happens. First of all, if we don't know where to bring it. Right. The second thing is, what are we going to do next? Okay, she goes back to the prophet. Prophet says, ask her, is it well? And she says, you know, it is well. And I, I can I can just picture this because her son has just died. I, I, I know on the inside she's grieving. Right. I, I, I don't think that she wasn't grieving. In fact, if we could have seen her traveling, I believe that there would have been tears in her eyes. But she said it is well. And so when I when I stared at this, I'm like, this bothers me a little bit because I know as a mother, I know that on the inside it couldn't have been well. And then I stared at it. And I say, is this faith? And I said, yes, it is, because here's why faith is it. Listen, this is just what I believe. Orthodoxy, right, is paradoxy. Two things can be true at the same time. And I can be grieving in my emotions, but because I'm led by faith and not by what I see. See, when it says to be led by faith and not by what you see, it doesn't mean that you're going to stop being human and not experience emotion. It says this, can you experience the emotion, but still have faith? Can you be facing a tragedy, but not live by what you see? Can you see something different? Because she's a mother. So I don't believe as she's traveling to the prophet, I don't believe that she's not grieving. I think she's grieving on the inside. And when he asked her, is it well? You know what I think? I think she was saying all is not well, but guess what? It will be well. Because here's why. She had this mentality. I didn't ask for this. God spoke this to me through you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going through hell right now, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring this to you because guess what? This didn't come from me. The word came from God. So what I'm going to do is even in my situation, all may not be well, but I'm going to speak it as well. Because when we face adversity, faith is about this. Faith is about what you see and what you speak. See, some of us think that having faith means to deny a problem exists. We think faith is saying, we just pretend it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. It's not there. No, faith is when you can see a problem. But you deny its influence over the situation. Because going back to her life in that house that day, when the prophet said, you're going to have a child this time next year, that 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 promise came From God through the prophet. So what she does is she lays the boy on the bed. Gets back to the prophet. And when he asks, is it well? She says, it will be well. Why? Because God spoke it. And guess what? I'm going to see it. Even though it doesn't look like it. I'm going to hold on to this word. And I'm going to, listen, I'm giving this situation back to God. Because God started this thing. And guess what? 
God's going to finish it. So when she says it will be well, what she's saying is this. It's on the inside, it's hell. But guess what? It is well because God's not done yet. God's not w- done working yet because God's not going to promise me that I'm going to have a child and then let this child go. Faith does not deny a problem exists. It denies its influence. Turn to your neighbor and say, all may not be well, but it's going to be well. Because if it isn't good, God's not done. When she got to the feet, she grabbed the prophet. Listen to this. And he, and he answered, it is well. Now, when she came to the man and got out the hill, she caught him by the feet. You can see her desperation. But Gehazi came near near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone for her soul is in deep distress. See, I told you she's in deep distress. So when she says it as well, she's not lying. She's just choosing faith over feelings. Faith over what she sees. She's in distress. Don't get it twisted. Faith is can you be dying on the inside? Can you be grieving on the inside? Can you be distressed on the inside? But say, no, it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter how things look. You know why? Because Hebrew says everything that was made was first made by the unseen realm. So if I only go by what I see, nothing's going to change. So if I want something to change... I have to have faith because faith is the only thing that has the potential to create a different outcome. So here's the principle. When you're going through turmoil and when everything seems lost and it's falling apart and you're saying, God, what happened? You started this thing. You started this ministry. You started this business. You started this legacy. You started this anointing. You started this dream. What is happening? God is saying you need to change what you see and what you speak. Because if you can't see it as done, you're not going to know what to speak. So here's the principle. And God showed me this. What so many of us do is when we're going through a problem, we just want to talk about the problem. Nothing wrong with getting the problem out. Nothing wrong with making your petitions known. Nothing wrong with. But listen, if all we do is just say, here's the problem and go to this person, here's the problem and go to this person and say, here's the problem. At some point, you've got to start speaking the promise and you've got to start speaking faith more than you speak the problem. Are you hearing me this morning? And that's why she says it is well. Even though all is not well, she's speaking from a different realm. She's saying it will be well because in the eternal realm, this thing has already been done. He promised a son and he's going to give me back a son. But I love this. I'm going to paraphrase the rest of it because I got to close. The prophet tells Gehazi, take my staff. Take my staff, which represents so many things. His life, his anointing, his office. And he tells Gehazi, I love what he tells Gehazi. Take my staff. Don't talk to anyone on your way home. If they talk to you, don't answer them. Oh, there's a principle there. That seems rude. But sometimes, you know why? Because when you're needing a miracle... You have to be careful what you listen to. You have to be careful who's speaking into you. He says, listen, 
Take my staff, ignore everyone, and go place it on the boy. And so he, he does, but the boy doesn't come to life. So he goes back to the prophet and said, I laid your staff on the boy, but nothing happened. And he said, okay, we're going to have to go there. And we know the rest is history. He comes in the room and listen to this. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed where she placed him. When he went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. He went up and he laid on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out over the child. And, and when and the flesh of the child became warm again. He, I like this. He returned and he walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself himself over the child. And I love this. It says the child sneezed seven times. (laughs) He sneezed and the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came to him, she said, he said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. I got to land this thing. But number one, you got to know where to lay the problem. You got to learn how to give it back to God. Number two, you've got to, you've got to change what you see and what you say. Recently, I was going through a very difficult situation and, and I'm driving and God, God literally stopped me and said, Andrew, you've got to change what you're speaking. Because the book of Hebrews says the world were framed by words spoken by faith. So if, we, if we're in a situation, we're not denying a situation. But unless you speak a word that's contrary, you're not giving God anything to work with. Because God needs you to open up your mouth and speak something different. Because if God can create worlds and planets with words what can he do with your world through your words generated by faith amen and so what are you seeing and what are you speaking be careful what you speak be careful who speaks into you be careful what you listen to but here's the last principle He sent the staff and the staff wouldn't do it. So he said, I'm going to have to go there. Because there are times where we need God to impart life back into us. We need God to impart life back into dead things. We need God to resurrect and do the impossible. What I love about the Shunammite woman is she never asked for this. And at first she didn't believe. But after she got her promise, she refused to let it go. And she brought it to the prophet. And let me tell you something. Faith is when you can believe about God, what he believes about himself. So what, you, what we learn to do is you speak back to God what he spoke. Didn't she, when she went to the prophet, she said, didn't you say I was going to have a child? And now this, in other words, I'm going to bring the word and speak it right back to where it came from. 
And faith is when you can believe about God, what God believes about himself. God, you spoke this. So what am I going to do? I have, a, I have an option here. I can freak out. I can be led by my flesh. I can freak out. I can be tempted to be led by my emotions. Or I can choose to speak from a different realm. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the word you spoke. And I'm going to speak it back to you. Even when my situation looks the complete opposite. It isn't well. But guess what? It is well. It isn't well here, but it's well there where this promise was given. So until this looks like this, I'm going to speak this. Come on, somebody. And sometimes, and when the prophet lays on the boy, he imparted life. And so you got to know, sometimes we got to know where to go when things are dead. Impartation is so important. That's why getting to the house of God is so important because see the enemy says, yeah, you don't have to come to church today. Just sleep in, just stay in bed, but you never know. You could have a moment with God at this altar and worship where impartation comes, where something comes that you needed. And God says, I'm going to breathe new life into you. And impartation has to do with atmosphere. God may be saying, listen, it's time for you to change the atmosphere. Because you're needing God to resurrect something dead, but the atmosphere you're in is not working. You've got to change something. Amen? Come on, stand with me to your feet. Come on, let's give God a hand clap for his word this morning. Come on, would you just lift your hands with me? Do I have anybody in this room that's facing what seems to be like impossible situations? Dead situations. Hopelessness. Hopeless situations. I got good news today. All may not be well. But it is well. And it will be well. Because God's not done. With every head bowed and every hand raised. Listen, in just a few moments, I'm going to pray a special prayer concerning this word today. But before we do that, I want to ask if there's anyone in this room who has never received the Lord and wants to do that today. I just want you to wave at me. Come on, wave at me. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. Online. Come on, Inspire Church, can we pray this prayer together? together? Dear Heavenly Father, I need you. I'm in need of a Savior. Forgive me, Lord. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. I will follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap. They're going to put this on the screen. If you prayed that for the first time, if you, if there's anything we can pray with you about, if you'd like to get water baptized, any of that, sign up for pastor's devotional. All you got to do is use that QR code. But could I please have our altar workers, please join us before we leave this place. Can I pray for you today? Do you know that right now as a pastor in my conversations with people, I have never seen people more desperate and in need of hope. You see, faith is the substance of things, what? 
So faith is not only trusting God, but faith is having the hope, the expectation in your heart that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. So could you join me at these altars? I want to pray over your family. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over that business. I want us to speak life this morning. Those of you who are contending for healing. tell you what what I felt today a special grace when we talk about resurrecting dead things God resurrecting promises I felt a special grace on people who who think that their ship has sailed and that time has passed them by because sometimes we we push our narrative onto God's narrative we say God well you didn't do it when I thought you did Uh, that ship is like the shooting of my woman you Though you thought the childbearing years were far behind you. Insert your promise. God, I thought the ministry days were back there. I missed it. I'm content with this. But there's some dreams. There's some things that are still there that are lying, laying there, waiting to be resurrected, waiting to be spoken to, waiting to be prophesied to. Amen. So there's a special grace. I don't know who that's for, but there's a special grace for that this morning. Would you lift your hands with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I'm praying over every hopeless situation. You know what I love about God? Is there will be no hope. And all of a sudden, He shows up. And guess what? Then there's so much hope, you can't contain it. So you you can literally go from hopelessness to being so full of hope in one moment and all it takes is a word from God because God doesn't just create faith he actually inspires hope because faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen and so father right now for those God who are feeling hopeless God who have lost hope God I thank you that what the scriptures say you're the God of all hope God, I thank you, God, that you're speaking to dead and hopeless situations, Father God. I'm, I'm, I'm praying over those who like the Shunammite woman, God. They, 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 they're serving the Lord. They're content and, and they're happy. They're not complaining. But guess what? You're not going to let them forget about their promise. So you're showing up and you're speaking a new word in this season to give them something that they've always been destined to have. And so, Father, I thank you that you're awakening, God, dead dreams, dead things, dead desires, things that were we thought we signed off on and put behind us years ago father i thank you that the ship hasn't sailed the the days aren't passed and the word of the lord is going to perform what it has set out to do over your life god i'm praying over individuals i'm praying over families i'm praying over businesses god who are contending for the promises of god god i pray father those who are going through a storm god where the enemy feels like he's trying to steal it god i I pray that they would know where to bring it bring it to the feet of jesus bring it to the presence of God. God, I pray as they're walking through it, Father, I I pray that you would give them the eyes of faith that can look beyond the circumstance and God, give them the faith to speak 
like the woman, it will be well. God, I, I pray that they would begin to speak the faith and not the problem over their life, God. And Father, I'm praying for impartation of new life in this season, God. Despair is going away. Hopelessness is melting, God. Fatigue is wearing off, God. God, our weariness is being melted away in your presence, God. Doubt, insecurity, everything that comes with the hopelessness from from feeling defeated. Father, we thank you for breathing new life. Come on, someone say that, new life. New life into me. New life into my marriage. New life into my business. New life into my family. And so, Father God, we speak it. I pray that you would speak that this week over you and your family. It is well. It is well. It is well. It is well. In the name of Jesus. God bless you, Inspire Church. I pray you have the best week.